Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for the season ender of season two of Wire in the Blood, episode four. What's this one called? Sharp Compassion. Sharp Compassion. Yes. So we open with an interrogation. A, uh, a woman has been stabbed. Her husband found the body and he's been interrogating. And uh, Tony reads basically his body language. Uh, I would say mostly his body language. Well, just and remember, first of all, they open, it opens with, I would say no, because it opens with Tony killing the woman. Yes. Having right. this flash about what it would be yeah. like. Yeah, like obviously. Going and he's looking sort of at the rug. Mm -hmm. and he's doing all that so he's already got a pretty good but idea his suspicion of what happened but no i think yeah. the key uh the key thing that you know factors him in on the husband is the husband's like i understand him being concerned for his daughters but like no real concern for what has happened to his wife oh yeah no 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 i i do think yeah. that that he understood like but it's just that opening sequence means that that he already has yeah he's already looking at it from that angle that it has to be somebody close and the only slide you get is perhaps with the sister like you the sister looks terribly suspicious in some yeah. ways but the wife is in the in the hospital the only concern but the, the fact is strangers work. yeah strangers who come into your house and stab you to death do not then like go out of their way to cover the body and yeah. uh, to cover the injured body and, you know, make it make the person as comfortable as possible. No, that's someone stabbing somebody and then feeling guilty about what they did. And that says husband. Yeah. And that sort of says, and then of course the way he's going on, but, but a father needs to be with his, his children, his children yep. can't be without their father. And he's going on and on and on. And, as you say, no concern for his wife. No concern for the wife, who, as far as he knows, is in the hospital right now, yeah. recovering from her injuries. Well, like he, he as far know that. he knows, but that that's my point. As far as he knows, surgery. yeah, she's but that's my point. Surgery. Like he doesn't even know she's dead, and yet he's already talking about him being taken away from his. Uh, like he doesn't even know she's dead. Children's like, where's this coming from? And then of course, Tony's like, okay, well, let's go into job stress. Let's go into stuff that might motivate him. And of course, you know, the wife has a good job and his job isn't going so well. And obviously she was going to leave him and take the kids. And that was the breaking point for him. So Tony puts one in the bag. Tony and Carol put a murderer, well, attempted murderer in the bag right away. Yeah. Which is nice. And then the, uh, the surgeon Manages to save her life, stitches up all of her internal organs, uh, puts her on the road to recovery, and then, in that uh, stereotypical surgeon way, is a real dick about it. Like, as if this guy is just, like, is a real dick about, you know, what the good thing he just did. Is insufferably proud of himself for having saved somebody's life. And it's like, yeah, you got an important job, and you're, you know, you're okay at it. Maybe even very good at it. But don't don't be so proud of yourself. Like I always say, you know, when they when they made up the seven deadly sins, there were eight of them because they thought it was important that pride be on there twice. OK, <laughs> that's a true fact. If you want to look it up. Well, I laugh. I mean, yeah, I, I, true, I always have to laugh at these these surgeons, because remember the one I think it was in Criminal Minds, right? Yep. That surgeon that was such a dick. And both of them become... From the Timothy Omenson episode. You know. Yeah, from the Timothy Omenson uh, sniper episode. Yeah. yeah. The surgeon who's just like the worst. Yeah. It's his ego. It's his know? ego. Yeah. It's always ego. It's always these men with their pride and their egos who cause all of these problems. And uh, we'll get into the problems this guy causes later on. Uh, but yes. Uh, but then, mysteriously... I mean, it's not a mystery. We know what happens. Uh, we know what happened. The woman dies after she had been put on the road to, uh, the road to recovery. And this doctor had full on confidently said there's a 70% chance she's going to pull through. And so oh, yeah. she uh, suddenly has an embolism and dies. Yeah. So 
So how could he have been so wrong is the question. And that will be the rest of the episode, everybody. Yeah. How could he be so wrong? Yeah. And Carol gets pissed off at him. For once, Carol being pissed off at some asshole yep. um, serves well. She insists on an autopsy. I know. And you know, we... and he says, why do you want an autopsy? We don't need an autopsy. Blah, 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 blah. Well, and what I love about that scene is we find out that they're like uh, his his arrogance of like people die in hospitals. That's just what happens. Yeah. There's no uh, like autopsies just upset the patient's families. And I don't, you know, and that's wasted time having to deal with people's emotions. And you're like, oh, you really are the worst, aren't you? Yeah, you really are the worst. And we yeah. do hope you get yours at the end, and you do. And so. you do, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, he does, in fact, get his at the end in a very nice scene. In a very nice scene. Oh, but, man. Uh, but what happens, too, yeah, right? You know, And then Tony goes out and says, well, why did you ask for an autopsy? She said he pissed me off. <laughs> That's the only reason. Yeah. And uh, out. Yeah, it was a good instinct. It was a And the thing is, what I love is that it's like she he pissed her off. And so the, and, and she called and no one thinks that there's a murder at this point, but Carol literally just assumes this guy, if he's this much of an asshole, right, he must have made some error and that's why she died. And she's like, maybe I get him on malpractice of some kind. Yeah. You know, it's like, maybe I can show this guy up. And that's all she's thinking when she demands the autopsy. But it turns out that no, somebody injected a, uh, an air bubble into somebody's heart and it killed them horrifically. And then we're off and running because what do you do the minute that happens? You find out, uh, has this been happening a lot? And what do we find out? Actually, yes. Of the last five people who died in the hospital in the past, uh, five people died in the last week, week and are week, I know, and are still in the, um, ICU, right? Sorry, not the are ICU. Still in the morgue. Still in the morgue. And, uh, three of them had embolisms based on these air bubbles. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good sign, actually, that they've got a problem. And, and so now we know we're dealing with an angel of death. Yep. Somebody working in that hospital is killing people. Yeah, and when they do go check the, the death rate in the hospital, mm-hmm. they do find out that it had, had all of a sudden bumped up in the last few weeks. Uh, six weeks ago. Yeah. And we find out uh, that, and six weeks ago, and so they go right to the, and so, of course, Tony and Carol go right to the guy. And it's like, uh, did you fire a bunch of people six weeks ago? Like, did people find out they were getting their walking papers six weeks ago? And he's like, well, I announced a reorganization. And so, yes, there were redundancies and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Using all of his little euphemisms for yes. Obviously, a bunch of people got fired. And we don't actually get, like, a list of them. Which is weird. Like, we don't get a list and we don't see the interviews of the people who were fired because, of course, you have to still have access. But it's like, well, who were the people who were fired close to is a really good question because maybe that could have been. And I didn't remember who the killer was right away. So my thought was, it's like, why are they not investigating who it is, is the puzzle that uh, got me. Right. Like, why are they not investigating? And I, I mean, maybe it's just because there's a lot of plot to get through in this episode. Yeah. So they're just skipping past the well, part they that don't have the, they don't wind have up being relevant. Because yeah. it may have, you see, here's the, here's the thing. The impression you get is that a hell of a lot of people got fired. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a lot of people got fired. And so there were a lot of, and we just have to assume there were a lot of interviews off camera that didn't come to anything. Yeah, and, and they wouldn't have to be done by the main people. I mean, this is exactly. a, it's almost as if, because Carol and Tony do go to see because it could be someone who is, is a cleaner in the hospital. Oh, yeah. And we'll get to that in a second. But, uh, but what happens is, is, yeah, there's an awful lot of people that got fired. And, I mean, they talk about the ICU and how they've only got three nurses to run a six-bed ICU. Well, that's insane. not enough. Yeah, that's just there's you no have, way you could do that. You know, um, it's, it's, it's the COVID. That's the funny thing is it's the COVID problem. Mm-hmm. that people don't understand just how much work things like ICU are, they began to get some idea with COVID with all these people in ICU where it became really, 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 really bad. But 
Um, no, but people, you're right. The people just don't understand the amount of work that goes into keeping people alive in intensive care. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, when and uh, most of them come out of surgery and most of them are in intensive care for a little while, mm-hmm. you know, in ICU for a little while to make sure that everything's going fine. Yeah, and, but there are people who need sustained care. Yeah. And for like hour, like 24 hour observation, if you want to keep them alive. Almost. Yeah. 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 yeah completely. They have to be checked every 15 minutes. Some of them. And this is. And they, he'd already cut back on all of those. So there's a whole stack of nurses here and there, yeah. a whole stack. And then he's, you know, but this this asshole is is going on about how, yeah, well, we're going to open up, you know, these a new ward. Yeah. Well, you don't have enough people. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? You're going to start hiring? Well, no, I'm going to hire all these people, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's not a solution because you just fired a whole stack of people. Yep. As a way of, uh, you know, as a way of saving money and making your end of year oh, stuff look better. And, uh, uh, but the interesting thing is, so then they do, thank you. They do a big background check into everyone in the hospital, right? And they find a guy with a doctor there who has falsified his records. Yeah. And he has come here from, I don't know where, like he South says Africa. he's from, no, but he says he's from Australia, but he's actually from South Africa. Yeah. Because, you know, I guess British people can't tell the accents apart. Uh, And that's how he gets away with it. But anyway, he says he's from Australia, but he's actually from South Africa. And he lost his medical license there because he was um, he was saying he he would like reuse all sorts of medical equipment. uh, Say he was that he could. I mean, and interestingly, and this is, I think, what Tony makes him dismiss him as a uh, suspect is. Like, the guy wasn't connected to any deaths. He was reusing medical equipment and saying he was ordering new equipment. Like, so, like, reusing scalpels and things like that in cases where there was no real danger caused, but you don't reuse stuff for safety's sake. Probably not scalpels, but, you know, kinds of tubes and whatnot. Well, scalpels are, are metal, so they go into... Yeah, they go into the... Yeah, they, they go, go into, into the, the autoclave. autoclave. They get sterilized. I know, I did this one summer. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, you know, um, so those things. Yeah, but it's like he was reusing stuff that they're supposed to throw away and he didn't yeah. actually get anybody killed, but he was essentially embezzling money because he was saying he was reordering them and pocketing the money and, he was, and pocketing the money instead of actually ordering the new. Yes, this was all the days. This was sort of post the uh, HIV scare and, yeah. and um, pre the COVID scare. So yeah. And so it's like... Uh, you see why he thought he could get away with it, but obviously this was a bad, very bad thing to do. Yes, and particularly in South Africa, where they don't believe they didn't believe that HIV was a real disease anyway. Oh Jesus, that that whole nightmare. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and what's really interesting is so, but he Tony listens to the guy, and just by like listening to the guy and the way the guy talks about this the situation, the kind of crimes he committed in the past, Tony's like, no, this isn't the kind of guy. Who's going to be murdering patients? No, no, no. Like you only do this kind of weird murdering patients thing to satisfy some deep, profound need, right? And this guy is literally just a guy who embezzled from a hospital. He might be a criminal, but he's not a serial killer. Yeah, and he didn't lose his license over it because it wasn't medical malpractice. Oh no, he did lose his license over it. In Australia? Yeah, in 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 South South Africa. Africa. Exactly. Yes. And that's why he fled there and he falsified his records. And the hospital who, uh, and and the implication is that this bad hospital director was able to hire him for cheap. And he didn't look too much into his background because it was a cheap doctor. Yeah. And the doctor wouldn't complain about his, the head who was a surgeon, who was a terrible surgeon to boot. Yes. And- and he even uh, gets a scene when he's uh, quitting, when he's leaving and yeah. you know, picking up all the stuff for his locker. It's like, you know, you're a third-rate surgeon. He's like, you're not a, even a second-rate surgeon. You're a third-rate surgeon <laughs> and a first-rate property developer. Yeah. <laughs> because the only thing you're concerned about is chiseling more money out of this company, out of the land that the hospital owns. And you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's pretty great. Uh, so, but the point is, they know there's this person killing people in the hospitals, Right. And Tony, of course, assumes, 
uh, quite understandably, that it fits the regular profile of this kind of murderer, which is people who think they're doing, you know, saving God's people from work. suffering and doing God's work. So it's like, you're going to find a, you're going to find a Christian who was abused as a kid, whose parents were probably very religious, right? And that's going to be the trigger that motivated. And like, so some trigger related to that is going to have caused this guy to start killing or this woman to start killing because it is just as likely with this kind of crime to be a woman as well as it is a man. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this is some, yeah, this kind of death, sorry, this kind of serial killing is just as likely female as male. Yeah. And Often. then they start looking into, and then Tony says, okay, well, if it's not one of the medical, because they've cleared all the medical staff, nobody fits his profile and nobody had, act, you know, nobody was there, right, at all of the times when somebody got killed. Yeah. And so Tony says, okay, well, who can be in a hospital whenever they want to without anyone even looking at them. And as he says, oh my God, I think my favorite line in the episode is when he says like, uh, who doctors don't even look at or talk to because they wouldn't know how to have a conversation with them. <laughs> and it's like the cleaning staff. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so they find out that the cleaning, that the, hey, remember how terrible this doctor running the place is? Yeah. Yeah, he's even worse than we realize because he doesn't have a cleaning staff. He hires a service to do all the hospital cleaning. And the service he hires is the cheapest service he can hire, which is literally a guy who phones up somebody else and says, go to the, like, go to the part of the town where the illegal immigrants live. Find me, you know, 20 Turkish people, random Turkish people, put them on a bus, uh, put them on a minibus and cart them off to the hospital to clean a hospital for the day. Yeah, well, as I said, you're you're filling in the blanks that are kind of left yeah, they don't, they don't, uh, yeah, right. They don't explain all of this clearly, but that's what's going on. Well, yeah. And let me tell you that that has been going on even here at the hospitals. They hired cleaning staff. Yeah. They fired the cleaning staff and then hired cleaning service. Contra exactly. And it's like, and the cleaning services are, again, as the, in this thing, illegal immigrants who aren't going to complain about the terrible working conditions or not being able to do well, a good job not, because it, they'll get deported. Yeah. Well, here it wasn't. Well, yeah, it wasn't quite that bad because we don't have that many. Well, no, not in Sault Ste. Immigrants in Canada, but yeah, yeah. But, uh, Britain, there are a lot of illegal immigrants. Oh, absolutely, because it's in not hard Britain. to get to Britain. Yeah, and yeah. Um, in Canada, we don't, but we do have a lot of. Uh, the thing about Canada is kind of hard to get to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I don't know if you've looked at a map, but we don't have any neighbors other than America. Yeah, so if you anybody wants to come from South, I mean, this is why you have a lot of immigrants, illegal immigrants in the United States. Yeah. Because they can just cross the border. Yeah, they can just uh, walk across. Cross the border to Canada, anybody who tries it. Like, we've had people die because they, they've, or they've gotten into Canada and then, they, but they really want to go to the United States and they cross the border and they die in the cold. Yeah. Because it's walking across that border is not easy in the winter. You, you know, so coming to Canada is, very yeah. very difficult we but fundamentally it's just because it's so damn far from anywhere mm -hmm. you know there are easier places to get to than yeah. canada yeah there are much easier places and to get to we than canada. don't necessarily um in fact i do not know how many people have been coming to canada from ukraine who really wanted to go to the united states because of oh. the streets are paved with gold in the united states <laughs> Yeah, little do they know. I mean, they don't know anything about Canada. Guys, you'd be much happier here, trust me. Yeah, and then when they get here, a lot of them, you know, it's 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 a slow process of, well, I guess we don't really want to go to the United States because now they can figure out exactly what it's the United States. What it's actually like, like down there. I know, right? Yeah. You know, they, they have the guns and the... Yep, and the guns and the crazy people and the racists and yeah. the people who... You know, are going to assume that any foreigner with an accent is there to steal their job. Oh, I mean, and th that is that is the thing. I mean, somebody I can remember, somebody who went down. And I don't think they just understand just how racist it can be until 
you know, like they come they actually get down there. Maybe. Well, we'd rather, I'd rather go to the United States until they start talking to some of their relatives who did manage to go to the United, to get to the United States. And, and then they go, Oh, well, maybe, and maybe Canada's not so bad. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then, then all of a sudden they're here for two years and three years and <laughs> they're applying for their residency permits and then they're yep. applying for their citizenship. Right? And generally we're happy to have them. Generally. Well, let, in comparatively speaking yes to america yes obviously i'm speaking comparatively to america you know we We have our own anti-immigrant zealots here i'm not pretending we don't don't go look at at my look at my family i'm not going to pretend we don't have (laughs) anti-immigrant zealots by the way uh literally i'm the first generation from half of my family to be born in canada yet the same side of that family pretty anti-immigrant Three out of four of my grandparents were not born in Canada. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And only one of my parents was born in Canada. So, yeah, like I am, I am, you know, on one side of the family, first generation Canadian. And, and yet we still have anti-immigrant bigots on that side of the family. Well, yeah, but that's because they're German racists. (laughs) You know, I mean, come on. I know. We know what it is. We know why it is. You know, I mean, this is just, you know, built into them. This this It's part of the culture. Yes, we know. You know. Their culture is being awful people. You know, Uh, particularly the racism, although I will say that that your father did try. He did. Absolutely. He did try. You can't say the man, you can't say the man didn't make an effort. I'll I'll give him that. All right. Uh, But anyway, the point is now they're, now they're going in (laughs) at the, um, into MI5 territory. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But so they go after the immigrants and they're like, uh, and this is where the show gets really interesting. Because it suddenly becomes, it stops being about investigating a serial killer and entirely starts being about politics. Yeah. And, and there's Tony fighting. And the thing is, Tony is in the middle of a, of, of a political mess himself. Of his own, because at the university, they're going to have to cut a position. Mm hmm. Cut two positions and combine them into one. And yeah. essentially, Tony has got to audition for his own job. Yes, and Tony's track record is not great. He misses a lot of classes. He uh, is not fantastic at uh, he's not fantastic remembering to interact with his student. He's not great at supervising his PhD candidates. Like, these are all pretty big flaws Tony has as a professor, which, by the way, and I'm sure you can speak to this, are pretty big flaws actually. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's the job, Tony. Yeah, I had one supervisor and, you know, ask me, you know, why? <laughs> you just go, oh my God, well, and I'm not the only, I'm not the only graduate student who's ever gone through this. Trust me, this of is, course. Tony <laughs> is not as abnormal. They, these, these people are like, you don't see it as much at Algoma because Algoma That's where she is, teaches now, everybody. Yeah, it's an undergraduate university. Yeah, you don't have all of this PhD track stuff. Yeah, you know, the bigger university is not just the PhD track stuff. It's it's all of the 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 demand for publication, the demand for um, attending conferences. The demand Mm -hmm. is constantly there. And that's where your promotions come from. Doesn't come from teaching. You know, you and so for the most part, a lot of them, we were just talking about sort of this off. Uh, yeah. We're just outside of the, uh, outside, outside of, of the this, recording right? had nothing yeah. to do with this. Right. And, but there are very, doesn't mean they're not smart and doesn't mean you can't learn a lot from them, but they're boring as hell. And they're not <laughs> good in the classroom. I mean, you've yep. had them. I, I've had them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I mean, I switched it. I, I switched once classes from, the the exciting English um, professor professor to the most boring professor in the department. Yeah. I was never so happy because his class only had about fifteen people in it. Yeah, so you get the attention and you get a better experience. Well, not only that, but he had his own. He had, he he could he could interact a lot more and talk a lot more. 
with yeah, the other guy. With the smaller First crowd. Of all, I don't think he thought women should be at university. <laughs> I swear to God. You know. Well, I was about to say that it's like, and the having, being a popular teacher and being a great lecturer, being able to really captivate an audience doesn't mean you're good at your job. You're just good at that. And I think we can all look a little, uh, the world is suffering right now because people mistook performance for having anything valuable to say. And that's how we got a little something called Donald Trump and a little something called Jordan Peterson. Oh God. Jordan Peterson was a hell of a lecturer, but everything he ever said in any of those lectures was idiocy that is completely baseless. Yeah. But he was captivating. But he's captivating and he's fun to listen to. And it was an enter and it was a great course to take. Yeah. Yeah. But he had people completely misunderstanding pretty basic concept about psychology. Yeah. You know, he was a terrible teacher who was a great lecturer. And Tony, there's no way Tony's a good lecturer. Okay. But the funniest, funniest line in that though was when, when she comes in to tell him he's got to go do some audition for his own job and then go to a, she comes into his classroom and she says, well, they're not supposed to be having fun, Tony. I know. And I just thought, oh, God, help me, yes. I know. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. They're not supposed to be having fun. But Tony, yep. actually, no, it's not that Tony's a bad lecturer. Tony's a good lecturer. No, he's a good lecturer. He's it's just not just, good at the, he's, I, I should have said he's not good at, like, the profession of teaching. Well, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, he gets distracted, like, when he's in front of the classroom and he's teaching. And he's yeah. his stuff. He is very good. We've seen him a few times right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he does that. But the problem is, is he periodically gets distracted. Oh, and, yeah. By other things. So he's late for class or, you know, he misses his seminars, you know, or, he's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, she had to cancel one of his seminars because he showed up, but he was like half an hour late. You know? Yeah. And they were and she'd already let them go. Well, yeah, because you can't, you know, you can't expect your students to sit around for two hours and wait for you to show up for 15 minutes. But know. He, you know, I mean, he what he needs, of course, is an assistant who sits on his schedule and makes and sure, make sure he shows up. Yeah. And yeah. university professors don't have that. Well, I mean, and, with the budget, with the, the fact that they're cutting courses Sorry, cutting teachers means that there's like no planet under which he could expect to get an assistant professor who could handle any of that. Yeah, and and the thing is, yeah, and they're they're losing students. Oh no, they're, that's the problem. They're not losing students, but it's government pay. It's a government paid for university, and it's you know it's the ridiculous um, what's his name Tony Blair stuff, and they're cutting all the public university at this time. They're cutting all the public university funding. So they got more teach. They got, they specifically call out the fact that they've got more students every year and they're being asked to do it with fewer uh, teachers. Okay. I know that's what's going on in the hospitals. That rationalization. I mean, we're going through this hell again with Ford in Ontario. It is just disastrous. Oh yeah. And I I just did a survey that, that asked me, what did I think? Like of all, one of the questions was, what did I think was the worst problem in the health? Facing I had five the healthcare? Facing healthcare. Yeah. And I said, creeping for profit healthcare. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I looked at in, in my gut, there's a couple of other things that, yeah, this is where I should be. This is where my mm-hmm. heart says, yes, we don't have enough nurses and things like that. No, no, that's not the problem. No, Not the thing really. that causes all of those problems is it's looking for profit in healthcare. Looking for profit in healthcare. You cannot look for profit in healthcare and you cannot look for profit in education. Yeah, the second you do that, you're violating all of the principles that allow you to do healthcare and education well. Well, it's not just the principles, but the, you know, the, it's, it, it is, well, yeah, but you go back and you blame Harris, you blame Thatcher and everybody that put, the hospitals, the education system on the chopping block. Business plans. Yep. They had to break even. Well, some- well, they had to turn a profit. Some of them, they said you should be turning a profit. It's like what happened to the mail system in America. It's like, why is the post office not turning a profit? Because it's a post office. It's not. It's just supposed to get letters to people. It's not supposed to turn a profit. 
Yeah. But that is this idea that everything is supposed to turn a profit. This is the conservative yeah. a model of things. It's 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 neoliberalism. That's what it is. Everything should if you let the free market into everything, the free market will solve everything. Yeah. It's more of a religion than it is a government policy. Except you know, it's yeah. it's it's absolute idiocy that has never worked and has like and everywhere they've tried it, it has been disastrous. But rich people make a lot of money during the disasters, so they keep trying it. Well, yes, and this is why every now and then, even this was a problem, even way back in Mesopotamia. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because every now and then you'd get a ruler who would have to cancel all the debts that people had. Yep. And because like this, that. it turns out even proto-capitalism causes these disasters. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you'd have somebody who would try and fix the system, right? Sometimes they lasted longer than other times. Mm -hmm. I mean, bottom line is, is that everybody said, you know, talks about how Julius Caesar, okay, was killed because, yeah. um, because of, he wanted to be emperor, blah, 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 blah. But I will. They had 18 emperors after him. I don't think him being emperor was the problem. His <laughs> is, and, and the Gracchi brothers were all assassinated. Yep. You know, the crowds were riled. Do, do you know why the Gracchi brothers, just everyone who doesn't know Roman history, yeah. the, the Gracchi brothers were assassinated because they wanted to give land to poor people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to make it so poor people could earn their own money and have their own living and not have to rely on the bun men munific be beneficence? Benef munificent beneficence? Beneficence, thank you, of their rich leaders, the, the client-benefactor oh, relationship. Oh, who owned land? Who owned all the land? And they were yeah. serfs and slaves on those lands. Exactly. Leave the land? And oh. there was technically democracy, but you essentially well, sold your vote to have enough grain to live. And the Gracchi brothers were like, we got to put a stop to this. And they managed to get enough votes because it was technically a democracy to see to do it. And surprise, surprise, they got murdered. Yeah, don't we wouldn't call it that. Yeah. And the second one, it was just every time. And Caesar, again, too, was trying to do some of these things. right? Mm -hmm. Changes. But the people who held the money and the people who had the power decided. And, yeah, And so but the myth is. I mean, this is me talking, right? The biggest, yeah. the biggest part of this myth is, is that he wanted to become emperor. Now, yeah, he might have wanted to become the sole ruler because there was the only way he was going to be able to put these things through. Yep. And the people that killed him, killed him, what? Because of the Republic? No, because they were going to lose their status. Yeah. Everything else and their money and their land. And mm -hmm. oh, my God, never mind. You'd be surprised how much of this history comes down to money, everybody. Yeah, always, always. And the funny thing is, is it's it goes so far back. The term qui bono. <laughs> qui bono, yeah. Qui bono uh, is a Latin term. And it means who benefits. Mm -hmm. And what it translates to is a thing that came up when we were talking wise guy is follow the money. Yeah. Sorry, not, not follow the money. Sorry. Where's the money? Yeah, where's In anything. That's what you have to ask yourself. Where's the money? In any deal, whenever a crime happens, whenever something, ask yourself, where's the money? When you find the money, you'll find the motive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like everything else is sub, is everything else is secondary to the question, where's the money? Yeah. And I mean, that's what that's what caused a bunch of the problems in this episode, too. Uh, I know we're I know you didn't expect us to start talking about Roman history here, but we, our brand very much is uh, <laughs> digressions. OK, <laughs> that's why we're here. And yeah, the Gracchi brothers are very relevant to this kind of thing because people wind up getting killed when they try to change things, for, what, try to help poor people. Yeah, it, it happens throughout history. You know, uh, but anyway, uh, try to remember the names of the two Gracchi brothers. Mm, I have to look that up. Uh, but yeah, there were two of them. It was like 15 years apart because one of them did this. And then his brother came back, you know, 10 years later and tried to do it again and had the exact same thing happen to him. I'm just because it's like, 
you can't say that it's, yeah, you can't say that it's a situation of, oh, well, you know, each one of them tried to take over and blah, blah. No, they both tried to do the same thing to help people. And by the way, invented the concept of populism. The word yes. populism was invented to describe what these two guys were doing. Yeah. Of going to the people. Marius Mar yeah, and okay. Marius uh, No, no, Marius and Sulla were the two guys afterwards. Those were the two guys who fought over who was going to be running Rome after the Gracchi brothers had their thing. No, no, the Gracchi brothers. Oh, no. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just a moment. Okay, I, I'm just going. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, Gaius. Gaius, yeah. Gaius, Gracchi, and... Tiberius yeah, and Gaius. Tiberius and Gaius. There you go. Yeah. No, Marius and Sulla were right That's after That's right. Him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, Marius and Sulla were, in case you haven't, um, if you want to, uh, there's every book has been, I was going to say, recommend a book. Every book is basically about the history of Rome. There's literally thousands of books about the history of Rome. But if you want a very good primer, the, there's a podcast just called The History of Rome that lays this all out very clearly because like it, every episode is half an hour and every episode is like just about one guy or one or one war. Yeah. So that way it focuses you. It makes it very easy to remember the dates and the places if you're handling it like one person at a time. Uh, but anyway, so enough about the history of Rome. <laughs> I was going to start something else and then I'm going, oh, no, no. No, no, no. We'll, I won't we'll, talk about we'll... Kings and Generals. <laughs> Kings and Generals is, is amazing. To, let's get back uh, to the modern day MI5. Yes. So what happens is, so now that they're looking for, now that they're, everyone sees them looking into these illegal immigrants who are working there, who, spoiler alert, are all Muslim and all of the victims were Christians. By the way, that's one of the things that Tony notices that they all had in common, that 80% of the patients in the hospital are Christian. Yeah. But a hundred percent of the victims they found are all Christian. And he's like, that is a change. It suggests that the killer is doing this for the Christian God and believes that he's, you know, yeah. sending these people to heaven, sending them to their reward, blah, blah, you know, the regular nonsense that these angels of death believe. And it's, and it's a good guess on his part. Like it's a totally reasonable guess on Tony's part. Uh, but they then, because the killer sees that they're looking into these Muslims, the killer sends out a note saying, uh, no, he sends a tape. Well, a tape, sorry, a hospital. tape. Not a note, a tape, yes. Doing a, an accent and saying, this is a, a a murder of the infidels that I'm doing for Allah. Yeah. And the head of the hospital's like, well, better call in my... My friend, goes to the, who he's already the guy. called once and got yep. no results, and then he called his head, and it's the guy who the runs head of the public board. health. Yeah, the guy who runs public health for the area. No, for, for the entire country. Oh, yeah, for the entire country. And the guy the who runs public health for, the, yeah, the minister in charge, he calls in MI5 since suddenly this is a political thing. This is a Muslim thing. This is a Muslim thing. And, oh, by the way, we forgot to mention one key element of the episode, which is that uh, the minute they found out there might be a Muslim connection and, like, there was a possibility that one of the cleaners had done it, Don called his contact. Yeah. Uh, he he knows a woman who works at a um, what do they call bodegas and depeners in the UK? Oh, it's just uh, oh I don't know corner store corner like whatever store, they call, like them. They call yeah, them. we call them corner stores. Um, Quebec is depener. The uh, America they call them bodegas. Uh, I have no idea what they call them in the UK. Oh, they're just but, they're just the local the local corner store or the local exactly. You know. Uh, so, but anyway, he's got a woman who works there, and he calls her. And says, can you ask around and see if anybody's got an issue with this kind of thing? Yeah. Right? Like, if, is there anybody that could be involved? Have you heard anything? And she's very subtle, but Don, you know, has, he has developed a, uh, relationship. a, a relationship with this woman. So he knows he can go to her because she knows he's not going to like make anything public. Meanwhile, and this is an important part of the episode, because this case is getting hectic and there's a lot of people. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people to talk to and a lot of questions. The boss, Carol's boss is like, hey, remember how you used to be like, you used to be the, uh, you know, the, the, the chief, like the head inspector. You don't actually have one of those. You have, you got promoted, but you didn't 
appoint a second in command the way you were my second in command before I got kicked upstairs. Yeah. So figure it out. And so Carol goes to Don and Kevin and says, one of you is going to wind up being my second in command. Fig you know, it's like, so impress me. Carol! Carol! What are you doing? That's you are not good at management, Carol. No, it should be uh, Paula, not Kevin. Kevin's already screwed up. He's not out of the doghouse yet. He no, I mean, it's be been a year and a half, but yes, he shouldn't be out of the doghouse yet. But it's like, maybe maybe give Paula. But, you know, Don's, it, Don's impressed people. Like, Don's been doing a good job. And Don's I mean, he's, he's screwed up. He's, he screwed up, too, back in the first season, but he's been doing a good job, too. Like, Paula's there. Don's there. Why are you offering Kevin the chance? Yeah. Well, but that, I know, I know, I know, I know. I agree. Right. So meanwhile, so while all of this other stuff is going on, we've got suddenly Don and Kevin have been given a real motivation to try and deal like to try and make some kind of a leap, like to pull something out, to get noticed, to get the, the much better job. And can you predict what's going to happen? You probably can't, but it's not going to go well for anybody. <laughs> or will it? Uh, all right. So that is that is the state of play. They are now looking into Muslims and doing big rounds. Well, ups. because they brought MI5 in and MI5 is insisting that this is. It must and be. And Tommy, I mean, the. Tony is like, Tony nope. is going, no, this is not. And you should. And he and his rationale is 100% sensible, which is terrorists kill for the attention and to spread their message and to create fear. This guy ki secretly killed people for six weeks and at only announced at least, right? At least. Well, it's like six weeks has been the massive spike, right? Six weeks has been the massive spike. Uh, since the announcement that it was um, going, uh, since it uh, since the announcement of the ra quote unquote rationalization of the uh, the work st of the staff, right? The staff rationalization was announced. That's when it has been increased. Yeah. And so Tony's like, he wouldn't only just now start saying he was doing this, right? So it has to be unrelated. It has to be related to uh, a motive there. It can't be just a religious thing, or he would have been talking about it the whole time. And besides, the, as they say, somebody who is quiet about it is not all of a sudden going to start screaming and hollering. And of course, the MI5 person says, I know better. And the language yeah. is all correct. And Tony says, yeah, you can go on the Internet and get all the lang language correct. I mean, Tony is mm -hmm. for sure making a solid case. The guy at MI5 wants his Muslim terrorists. So... He couldn't yeah, because that justifies his budget. Yep. Yep. And yeah. power. It justifies the uh, budget. It justifies his position of authority if he's out there catching Muslims. We can all look at what Robert Mueller did, like having all these people essentially out there looking for Muslims to frame for crimes to justify the Patriot Act. Robert Mueller did some real dirtbag stuff. There's whole documentaries about the dirtbag stuff he did in the war on tape. We won't. We're not going to go into it here. It's worth looking into. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. He was the director of the FBI. He was a real oh, right. bad organization. I think, I think we've probably covered that more than once. Oh, no, it's come up. It has definitely Already. come up. So, you know, but because they've brought the political stuff into this, you've got two levels of political stuff. You've got the stuff yep. going on with the police, which is intertwined with what's going on at the hospital. And then you've got the whole university thing with, with poor Tony is mm -hmm. not a political person. Yep. And he doesn't want to play the game. And he doesn't see why he should have to play. No, he's like, as long as I'm good at my job, yep. what else matters? Like, I'm good at my job. I'm like the, the students, when I see them like me, I am. Uh, and more importantly, I'm out there every day. Also, I'm I publish, you know. People like my people buy my books. I publish. I get out there. I you know, and I'm helping the police, and it's good PR. So it's like, why do I have to jump through these hoops? Yeah. I mean, and Tony's not wrong. He is good PR for the university. But here's where it gets really interesting. So uh, they say, well, here's here's a problem. 
maybe the killer isn't killing anymore because they've had a couple of like they've had like a week now without any new deaths because the police are all over this thing and then they realize well this isn't the only place where the killer could be murdering people yeah like maybe there there's also a there could also be a spike in deaths at the local uh what do you call hospice. it um hospice and they go and they check and they find that a woman who is dying of cancer is only 40 years old also had an embolism at the hospice yeah so boom there you go and so they have to rush over to the hospice and uh then what happens at the hospice go on it gets blown up yeah so they're going to investigate right before they can go to investigate there's an explosion that kills a couple of people at the hospice and Knowing so... the, no at the hospital no no at the hospital yes, yes the, at the hospital the explosion the is at oh no no it is at uh, it's at the hospital it is at the... Are, are you sure it's not at the hospice? Because I thought all of the cops around the hospital. No, no, would have no, 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 no. Because you see the woman who's coming in, uh, the woman who was running the flower stall at the very beginning. Yeah, is coming up. That's not. That's the hospital. But I thought she had moved her. She was working at the hospice now because they had closed her flower shop. Remember, they closed her flower shop six weeks ago. That was like, and she was on her way out of the hospital. They had been closing up part. One of the parts of the reorganization was demanding more rent for the shops on there and she couldn't afford it anymore. Okay. And so she wasn't going to be able to work there anymore. Spoiler alert. We're getting to what the motive is. The, (laughs) the motive is the guy had been killing spoiler alert. The killer's her son and he had been killing people here and there for years. And the reason six weeks ago he amped it up is because they were losing their lease and he wouldn't have an excuse to be in the hospital anymore. And so he amped up his yeah, murder. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm, I'm... And that, and that's why he was at the hospice and killing people at the hospice because she was moving. She was, you know, delivering flowers all the time and he was delivering flowers there. But I thought the bombing was also at the hospice. I could be wrong about that. But that's why he was at the hospice. Big, because it, it's, it's the big, isn't it the morgue that he blows up? That gets blown up? I think so. No, I think you're okay. I think you're right. It is at the hospital. And she yeah, because there to close things down. Yeah, she was just, she was del- she was still delivering like the flowers. Yeah, she was still has right. moved, but she's still delivering stuff. To delivering the, the flowers, right? Yes, exactly. Right? No, you're and, right. You're right. And what happens is, is she sees something on the floor, and so she goes to check, turns on the lights, and she gets blown. And up. she gets blown up, right? And, yeah. But but the point is, but the point of all of this is, is, of course, Tony has said, look, you can't put this out to the public because it's mm-hmm. going to give these guys an idea that they got to join. It's not them, but they're going to have yeah, to join. And sure enough. Yep, it is. But unfortunately, this ends up justifying all the idiocy that the MI5 guy was pushing. Because yeah. now he can say, well, look, we did have a bomb and we do have a... Uh, uh, we do have so they they pull in the guy who hires these people. Well, no, no. First they pull in the guy who hires yeah. these people and get out there and demand that he, uh, you know, just find somebody who matches this profile of a young man who's angry and right. Uh, this young man who's angry and he's going to cause a problem. And what's interesting is, uh, Don gets called in to do the interview. Because uh, Don has been, you know, he's got connections in this thing and she wants to show some favoritism. And while Don's in uh, doing the interview, Don gets a call. But he's not at his desk to take it. And so Kevin takes the call, uh, gets the call. And uh, and the call is, meet me at the park, tell Don to meet me at the park like normal. And Kevin's like, well, that's not something I can use. So he has someone trace the number who called him and he goes to the store. But unfortunately, that means... A cop is showing up at this woman's store and her brother sees her talking to the cops. Uh, And he, of course, says, uh, you know, what do you what do you want to tell? Don's busy. He can't go. And she says, look, my brother is really angry all the time. And he just talks about, you know, getting back at people. He just talks about this um, Antifada stuff. And he's like, he wants a jihad. And it's like, he's probably the guy. And so at the very same time that the uh the mi6 guy is coming in to 
to essentially threaten, here's the deal, guy who runs this cleaning service. We're going to just frame you for child porn and throw you in jail forever. We're MI5. We don't care. Yeah. Tell you know, <laughs> tell us the names of everybody who could have done this. Everyone who seems questionable. And, or we're going to destroy your life. Because they're MI5 and they're terrible. Yes. <laughs> and I'll just watch MI5 and you'll find out. <laughs> yes. It's a whole show about they're, how they're terrible. It's a very interesting show. Like, it really is. Because it's, it, at the same time, they have these monstrous supervillains, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like, everything Harry is doing is horrible. All the compromises like, and the, the... All the compromises and, and all the monstrous stuff. And what percentage of the problems end up being caused by the people running this place? Yeah, well, it goes back to Jean... Jean... Okay... Jean Le Carré, exactly. Like, because it's not even just so many of them are moles. There's so many friggin' moles on this show. Oh my god! But some of them are just like moles for the government, who like want to politicize law and who want to politicize spying. Like one of the big villains in the show is the uh, what do they call them? The Home Secretary. That's what they call the guy, the Attorney General in. um, the the equivalent to the attorney general in the UK is called the home secretary. He's one of the show's main villains because he's trying to use the, the secret services to obtain their political ends. Like, and Harry ends up murdering him. It's a good season ender. (laughs) It's a very good season ender when Harry murders the home secretary. But anyway, to get back, you can tell this episode as interesting as it doesn't have an awful lot of stuff or we haven't been, digressing enough over the last few weeks i don't know well no it's interesting because it's like the psychology stuff is all actually really clear because tony right at the start talks about the kind of person who does this and he's not wrong no like he is right about the kind of person who does this kind of crime and it just becomes yeah it's like here's why they do it here's the kind of person they are but you have to find some way to identify that and that is an interesting comment on the limits of profiling that's like knowing exactly the kind of person who does this cannot necessarily help you find them. Well, it's not just that. It it is that right from the beginning, you when Tony kind of figures it out to a large extent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it everything gets thrown sideways. Like the man is yeah. able to, because it is the man that's doing this, is able to yeah. manipulate the press and the uh, police into focusing all their attention on the tells him that's what this is, right? Yeah, that's the why he's doing it. He's controlling you. He is like creating he is making it so you're playing his game. And uh, he's gonna get keep getting away with it as long as you're playing his game. But they won't come back. No, you're the ones being played. (laughs) I know. No, you (laughs) are I know we know I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> it's very uh, it's a very good depiction of this stuff. Like it's very interesting this episode. So, but the point is, uh, the but the Ke- the name Kevin gets is the same name that the the guy from the cleaning agency, the angriest yes. guy they know, the guy who won't stop talking about uh, you know attacking people, is her brother Hassan. Yeah. And she knows where he lives, so they're able to go there, but not before he brutally beats up his sister. Mm-hmm. And it puts, and of course, you know, so that is that has been the consequence of solving this crime. But they get Hassan, they toss him in jail, and of course, they're like, problem solved. Well, the police aren't. Carol isn't convinced. Carol? No, Carol isn't, because she believes But Tony. MI5 and just says, because he, of course... MI5 tells the guy how he killed all of these other people. I know! Oh my god, he just... That's such an awful scene. He takes all of the stuff they've been holding back from the press and just feeds it to the guy so that they can say they solved it? Oh, that's such a good scene. Yeah, it really does not... Really makes you hate the MI5 people. Quite effectively. Well, and you can understand when there is coercion, right? And this is how it works, right? These people who get interrogated and interrogated and interrogated for for yeah. a day or a day and a half, two days, they're fed the information the information yep. that is going to be needed to convict them 
And even when they're innocent, eventually they start spouting what they've been fed. Well, I mean, after after Tuesday, solid days of being interrogated, you'll basically say anything to stop being interrogated. That's why, like, false confessions. Then have all of the information you need to make the Mm -hmm. false confession. Oh, absolutely. Because you've been given it by the cops. It is the worst. It is the worst kind of interrogation technique, and it's incredibly popular because it allows them to clear cases, even though they're not getting the right person. But the so, cops don't care. By the way, spoiler alert, cops don't care if they get the right person. Cops only care that something is off their plate. Well, and and that's what you're seeing. That's what the critique is here, too. This, yep. Oh, no, MI5 doesn't again, care. Again, M- we have gotten back to doing our critiques of the system. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's. I mean, this episode is explicitly like you want to talk like we were so pissed off last mm. week because we felt that the show is not sufficiently critical of Carol. Uh, this episode is sufficiently critical of the situation. Like, this episode is very critical of the situation. Like, this doesn't like the system at all. You know, there's uh, Carol's but poor boss. At, and at the same time. Oh, and then, of course, Carol's boss has a freaking heart attack. As he's standing up to the Minister of As he's standing up to the, the MI5 guy. Yeah. And the, and the uh, Minister of Health. Of course, and the Minister of Health who want him to just drop it and announce that they've solved the case so that the press can get off their backs so that they can announce a win. And he's like, no, I believe Carol. I believe Tony. I'm not going to announce a win until I'm convinced this is over. And he has a heart attack. And now we're like, oh no, the boss is in the same hospital where this killer is working. And the MI5 has just ordered the, and the, the minister has just ordered them to get everybody out of the hospital. So yeah, worst possible situation is about to come down. Such a good climax. Oh my god, this episode. Such a great climax in this episode. Uh, And then, of course, we get to... So Tony has his wonderful uh, moment of realization. Well, no, he has... He's he's in the middle of his interview. I know, I was about to say. He was in the middle of his interview of keeping his own job. And he figures it out. Yeah. It just dawns on him, and all of a sudden, he just gets up. Room. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that would be Tony. Excuse- yep. Not even excuse me. I have to go. No, he's just like, I'm out of here. And Carol has gone to the hospital to visit. To see her boss. The boss. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Tony's yep. Incredible. Her, but her, her phone isn't going to work in the hospital. And mm-hmm. she catches the guy. The guy in the process of trying to kill her boss. Yeah. Now that we get the surgeon, and of course we get the straw dog surgeon as well. And so you think it's him that's been putting the thing in, but it isn't. Nope. It's the son of the woman who ran the flower shop. Whose father was a monstrously abusive preacher. Evangelical. Evangelical preacher. Exactly. Yeah, the real bad stuff. Faith healer. Yep. And so, of course, this guy became obsessed with caring for people and healing people's sickness and things like that. And yeah, everything Tony said turned out to be true. It was because the flower shop was closing and he was going to lose his access to victims. And he was and he has all of the exact, um, you know, uh, mental issue. Well, not mental issues, but it's like the beliefs about how he was saving them kind of thing. Like Tony was right about everything. Yep. And so, really fantastic. And by the way, uh, Tony does not lose his job. Because Carol steps in. Not only Carol steps in, Kate also uh, manages, also did cover for him. And does help make the point that, you know what? The fact that this guy is out there publicly solving crimes while working for the university really does look good in the press. And does make people want to go here. Like, it really does help our profile. And... It's worth the PR. Like, yeah, Tony's not great at every part of his job, but it is worth the huge PR benefit we get from having him on staff. Yeah, and now, and so the two of them are able to save the two women in Tony's life are able to save his job. Yeah, because Tony can't be bothered to save his own job. Yeah, everybody's got to come in for him. And then, and this is the if let's get back to Carol Jordan is terrible for a minute. Uh, she gives, uh, she gives Kevin the promotion. 
No. Yep, she does. And why? No, she does. Because she says to him. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, remember. And uh, you would think she wouldn't because Tony, he got a witness beaten up and burned Don's thing. And what does she say to him? And he's like, yeah, I know I burned him and a thing. And she's like, yes, you, you did it. You did it because you will do anything to close the case, which is exactly what I need in my second in command. Yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, Carol. Yeah. Continuing on with just how horrible she is with power. Yeah. And it's like, you look at last week and you're like, did the show know how bad Carol was? And we were, I mean, you, if you listen to last week's episode, we were wondering if the show understands how awful Carol was being and how inexcusable her actions were. And the fact that she makes Kevin her second in command based on him getting somebody beat up. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. And, uh, just suggest that, yeah, the show very much understands. That Carol is not a nice person. Not a nice person. Maybe not the best, but it's like, this is what her job requires. Yeah. And that is the, the real chilling thing is it might literally be that her job requires her to be this awful. Yeah. And that is something that I am interested to see because spoiler alert, I mean, we've already talked about this. Season three is the last season Carol is in. So I'm going to be interested because I don't remember, but I'm going to be interested to see how like the next season treats her, her career, yeah. like the way she runs the squad. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see how it treats it because these two episodes put back to back really do suggest that it is being critical of the way she's running things. Yes, but not that the system is critical of the way she's running things. Well, no, no, the system thinks she's great at her job. And given the, like, given how obviously anti the system this episode is with its treatment of MI5, you really wonder if the show is amping up to be more critical of Carol's actions herself and what she's doing to succeed in the system. Because what I find fascinating here is last week you were right. And I see why you're so angry because I honestly couldn't tell whether the show was okay with Carol's actions or not. Yeah. Like she got somebody killed. Yep. And she seemed not to be bothered by it because it was all in the service of getting this one guy. And this. And this week. Uh, you know, Kevin went to j almost as extreme things and she's promoting Kevin because Kevin is acting like she is. Yeah. So I think like this show might have a problem with what Carol's doing yeah, and well, how she's the thing doing is, it. is that she doesn't, she, you know, I mean, she does not want someone who questions her. No. She's not she wants someone who saw that in extreme last week. And yep. she dismisses Tony, you know, unless mm -hmm. particularly, see, she could listen to Tony this week because it's not going to affect her job. Well, and I think that's fascinating because she goes to Tony when she doesn't have an idea yeah. of what to do. But if she's got her own idea, she immediately stops listening to Tony because she's a cop and she refuses to have her mind changed. Yep. But like... Tony, most of, but most of the time, she doesn't have a firm idea of it could be, so she's willing to listen to Tony. But it is interesting, the portrayal of the minute Tony's opinions conflict with her own, she'll immediately dismiss his yeah. opinions. It's, it's an, in, like, I think it's critical of her, and I think it's really interesting the way it's critical of her. Yeah, and I do think that um, it's always good when we talk about the show. As opposed yeah. to just watching it independently. Oh, totally. You know, that, 100%. You know, because you then start to see things because both of us see some different parts of and us. different parts of it, right? It yeah. is, it's an interesting analysis. And the one thing I will say, at least at the end of this show, the kicker is really good. The guy who was running the hospital <laughs> no. the, the, gets to do committee... <laughs> The Minister of Public Health is like, hey, great work managing the hospital expansion. Maybe you should focus on community outreach and fundraising. 
You know, maybe uh, back off from the running a hospital side of things and just focus entirely on raising funds for the hospital. No, no, you should. No. Well, basically, get out of the community. Good job. And and, um, you know, you've left it in place. And he says, but I want to be running. No, no, going Mm -hmm. into committee work. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna start working on committees and like arranging that's, things. No, and that's exactly. like, yeah, you're explaining what that committee work is mm-hmm. gonna be. Yeah, it means it means just like going to dinners and having meetings with business people and you know dealing with zoning issues and hustling. He, you are now and hustling for money. A real estate developer for public. Yep, just like the South African guy said. <laughs> So that was that was sort of is a really good, it's a really good ending. Yeah, Tony's Tony's job is secure for next year. They got rid of the bad doctor, and unfortunately, that woman got beaten up, and that is quite tragic. And Kevin got a promotion he probably didn't deserve. Yep. That is where they leave us at the end of the season. Yep. It's not it's not an easy ending to a season to take, but it's you can't say like I said after last week, I was nervous. I was nervous about the show's view of cops, mm. but her actions this week and Kevin's actions this week yeah. really, and and the way they frame MI5 really does suggest that, no, the show is being critical of this. Yeah. It's not presenting it as heroic. It's presenting it as this is a corrupt system in which they have to operate right now. And I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, well, it's uh, we'll be doing that next week. Exactly. So join us back here next week for season three, episode one, which is called. Oh, uh I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I really ambushed you with that. I I should have uh, looked at it uh... (laughs) in advance. I know. You you normally do. Yeah, normally, normally you do. That's why I kind of thought that you had it ready to go. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, season four. That's, what do you think, season four, so episode three, episode one. Uh, okay, Wire in the Red, season four. Time to Murder and Create. Okay, Time to Murder and Create, season four, episode one. We'll see you back here next week for that. Uh, but until then, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you are listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, be sure to rate and review. That's how new people find the show, especially if you rate us highly. Uh, (laughs) I'm not asking for that, but that is true. Uh, We'll see you back here next week for more. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.